welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, Every ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer. Thank you. Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, happy holidays to everybody, huh? Happy yeah, holidays, we're getting holidays close. Coming up on that season. Yeah, well, we just we just finished Hanukkah, so I figured that's what you were referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yes. And, and that's uh, is a good <laughs> No, 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 no. It's a good reminder because it's all seriously, we here, I'm not making a joke now. We are a very diverse group of people, Christians, Jews, some people are and including some of our audience members, uh, you know, are they're now called nuns, N-O-N-E-S. So, so those would be people who are like, I don't like I believe in any of that stuff. Or agnostics or Kwanzaa people, et cetera. So well, you know what? There, there, I, a, a poll said for people under 30, that is now the largest single group. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, I and can that- speak for those who are under 30, and that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why did you just talk to them? <laughs> did they hire you as a speaker <laughs> <laughs> closer to it than you are jerry let's be honest yeah. oh man oh are you hey by the oh. way we're going to uh we we uh, periodically have we beseech him regularly casey campbell our music coordinator to uh just you know come in and do it himself and occasionally we get him to do that so casey has joined us tonight hello casey we're hey everybody be doing a song here shortly and uh but jerry i wanted to ask you uh there you know i always say this i keep repeating this there's just so much that goes on didn't we think jerry year or two or three or four ago that my god as long as donald trump is president There'd be something to talk about every week. And there was, but it doesn't matter who's president. There's so much that happens. And so we always ask you, what what caught your interest this week that you gather some thoughts on? Well, it it, it is Trump related, uh, strangely enough, (laughs) Um, with daily reports now covering the dramatic revelations of the January 6th Congressional Committee. That's the one investigating the attempted coup, insurrection, and attack on our government. It's pretty hard to conclude that what happened on that frightening day in January was merely some politicos getting carried away with their speeches, that their rhetoric was just an unfortunate example of unintended consequences. Well, the fact is, it was not unintended at all. No, we well know that for years, Steve Bannon, often referred to as Trump's brain, before having any consciousness of Trump, was already formulating his own worldview that a clash of civilizations was inevitable. White Christianity versus Islam and cultures of color. Get your tickets now. And for America to win that battle, it had to get its own house in order first, which meant cleansing our nation of all this multiculturalism, putting an end to immigration, erasing the meaning of the Statue of Liberty. We needed, in the mind of Steve Bannon, to dismantle America. We needed ethnic purity. And only then would we be able to take on the non-white, non-Christian world. 
Apparently, people of color or other religions in America would not be so willing to destroy people of their own race or religion overseas, thereby fracturing the unity of our war effort. What a sick theory. Well, finding someone who could become the face of this racist absurdity would admittedly be difficult. What was needed was a candidate, someone who was well-known, well-financed, and most importantly, a candidate having no political ideology of his own, an empty vessel, if you will, one who could be indoctrinated with whatever Bannon and company could come up with. And so enter Donald Trump stage right. Having no philosophy or intellectual beliefs of his own, he, Trump, was an easy target. There'd be no built-in resistance to Bannon's advice, so long as it could give him, Trump, a base and have him win. After all, Bannon might have had a specific agenda in mind, but the monster he created turned out to have one of his own agendas, not Bannon's, but one that had nothing to do with political ideology. Trump, the narcissist, was only concerned about himself, his own ego, his own brand, which is an image of massive wealth and winning. This is all Trump cares about. It may not be reality, but he must keep that image alive. That's his brand. And so the thing he most fears in life is having this facade ripped away, causing him to be viewed by the world as simply a loser. Then the Trump brand, which is all he has at any value anymore, is suddenly worthless. Why would you put Trump name on any of your properties? Why would you stay in any of his hotels, play golf on any of his courses, invest in any of his projects? Indeed, the emperor has no clothes. This overwhelming fear of being seen as a loser is why he could never have his grades revealed. He was a flunky. He couldn't have his tax returns revealed. He wasn't nearly as wealthy as he said he was. And he certainly couldn't lose an election to Hillary, a woman, or Biden, an old man who campaigned in 2020 from his basement. Losing is the death of Trump and his brand because he can't live with that label, that of an impotent loser. Which brings us to January 6th. It wasn't unintended. It was part of the only strategy he's ever had. Since he can't stand being identified as a loser, his only choice is to discredit any election in which he, in fact, is defeated. A few months prior to the 2020 election, when even his own polls showed him badly behind, he started saying in all interviews and in all his public rallies that this election is rigged. It's being stolen with the help of fake news. He became relentless in filing frivolous lawsuits, losing all 60 of them. He fired anyone not showing total loyalty to him or going along with his big lie. He tried to drag the military in to help keep him in the White House by force if necessary. He threatened public officials, including his own vice president, Pence. The goal, not just to create a narrative that he didn't really lose, it was stolen, but also to create enough chaos, twist enough arms, declare a national emergency and seize all ballots 
ignite enough deranged Trumpians to contest the slates of the winning electors in three and four states. Indeed, enough smoke to give Vice President Pence a reason not to certify them. The result then being that neither Biden or Trump would have gotten the necessary 271 electoral votes needed to be declared president. Thankfully, Pence resisted all those Trump threats, saving temporarily our democracy. But if he had succumbed, if he had refused to certify those winning electors, resulted in neither candidate being declared the winner, having fallen short of the required 271, well, according to Trump's thinking, the election would then have been thrown into the House of Representatives. Or so Trump thought. That was his plan. The only problem was, as is so often the case, he didn't have a clue as to what he was talking about. It is true that if neither candidate receives the required 271 electoral votes, the election is to be decided by the House of Representatives. And when that is done, each of the 50 states gets just one vote decided by the congressional delegation of that state. It doesn't matter how large or small a state is, how many congressmen it has, each state only one vote. Well, since there are more states with Republican delegations than Democratic ones, if it gets to this stage, the inevitable winner will be the Republican candidate, which was Trump's strategy. Create enough chaos that the election will have to be decided in the House. What Trump didn't realize is that under the Federal Elections Act of 1886, maybe it was 1887, one of those two years, this method isn't used unless a majority of all members of the House and all members of the Senate, both branches of Congress, by majority vote, agree to decertify a candidate's electoral votes, bringing his total under 271. That has to happen first. Well, in light of the fact that the House is Democrat and enough Senate Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, have publicly recognized Biden as the winner and new president, there was no way Trump's plan was ever going to work. You'd never get a majority of both branches of Congress voting for that. Congress was never going to make him president. And yet, even now, now that he knows, knows that the results won't be overturned, that Congress won't return him to the White House, he still screams, it was stolen. Because for him, admitting he lost is not in his DNA. For him, the presidency is secondary to his image. And he will not sacrifice or even risk his brand simply for another term in the Oval Office. The fact is, Trump couldn't emotionally or psychologically handle losing again. So I think he's going to wait to see who the Democratic opponent is likely to be. And based on what he thinks his chances are against that person, he will decide whether or not to run. After all, we must remember this about this unstable man. There's no principle, ideology, or issue he's interested in fighting for. Nothing to draw him into the race, unless, unless he's certain 
he can win because the only thing he cares about is the Trump brand, his image, and neither the brand or his psyche could stand another loss. It would be the end of Trump, Mm. which ironically would, in this case, make America great again. Well, that was awful witty, Jerry. Man. I like that. Oh, man. I got a thousand of them. That was great. <laughs> and you know what that makes me think of immediately is that in, because I recall it happening and uh, taking note of it as it was happening in 2016, probably no less than 75 to 100 times, he would say before the election, this election yep. is rigged. This election Unless is rigged. I yep. win. Yes. Because he thought he—that's he, a great point. Because he thought yeah, he, he was thought gonna lose he was going to—he thought he was going to lose, and so, so yeah. he employed that. He employed that from the get-go as it started getting close and getting tight. Well, we got to worry about this rigged, rigged election, rigged election, yeah. rigged election, and then he pulled it off, and yeah. suddenly so, it was yep. oh okay. Well, no, no, okay, not this one, but the next one. But the next one is definitely yeah. rigged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I, you know, you know more about presidents than I do. You certainly the history of presidents. Mm. I don't know if there's ever been a man who is who has been a president of the United States. And how many have there been, Jerry? Uh, 40, uh, 45, well, 46. Okay. Uh, um, Grover Cleveland was president twice. All right. So has there ever been a man, because there's never been a woman, unfortunately, as self-absorbed as this guy, destructively no. self-absorbed? No. no, He's unique. No. He really is unique. Yeah. Yeah. He's I mean, to be fair, we didn't yeah. have the media. So you look at somebody like Andrew Jackson, you look at some of these other like pieces of history, these people in history. We don't know. Um, Trump just made it so easy to see how self-absorbed he was. Yeah. In fact, in the until the 20th century, you wouldn't observe a narcissist because people running for president didn't campaign. They stayed at home. It was it was seen as unseemly to go out yourself and ask for votes. So candidates literally stayed at home. They didn't go to the convention. And that's why Jerry never became, you know, (laughs) where he was supposed to be, because in his time he wasn't it was unseemly to camp. And they wouldn't let me leave my house. (laughs) My mom said, Gerald, it's rude to ask people to vote for you. (laughs) (laughs) And thus history has been changed. (laughs) And thus and thus we have the Jerry Springer podcast. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, we goof around. Uh, we, you know, we, we all like each other. And like I said, we got Casey Campbell here and he's a old friend of ours in the beginning. Casey's going to be coming up here in a second doing a song. Uh, oh, oh, Ramon. He told he told us. So we're going to be right. here, Casey. But uh, we goofed around. We always goof around before the show, just talking on Zoom and we learn, Jerry, that you took Richard, your grandson, who is a baseball player, young, you know, budding baseball player, a, a kid. What is he, seventh grade or so, thereabouts? Yeah, he's, he's, he's 13. He just turned 13. Okay, so he, so you took him, I'm sure he was excited to do this as a baseball oh, player. Oh, yeah, yeah. To Cooperstown, 
the National Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. It's so cool. It, it, it really, yeah, it really was. I mean, I'd never been there. You know, I, I dreamt about it, but it was, oh, it's just uh, just to go there, the history and, you know, the war, it's to see all the memorabilia and, uh, and, and, and the videos and, you know, it's just an august place. And the town is just wonderful. Anyway, what, what I found interesting, you know, living so much of my life in Cincinnati, that when you're in there, what people are talking about, literally, other than the, the uh, display they have of Babe Ruth and the, the videos they have of him, the interviews they had with him, um, you know, I mean, that's just, it, it sends chills. And you see this, you first go into a theater and for 20 minutes, you sit, sit and watch a movie of all the all-time greats and talking about it. And, you know, Lou Gehrig today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth when he knew he was, uh, you know, dying. Uh, it just all this, it, it's great to see. Anyway, most of the discussion though, is about Pete Rose. In fact- Is it really? There are a lot of, yes, there are a lot yeah. of displays of Pete. I mean, he doesn't have his plaque because he hasn't been voted in. But, you know, they've got the video of, of the 4192nd hit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the bat, the ball. There's so much of Pete Rose in there. Anyway, so we're there for, I don't know, four or five hours. Now we're walking down the street of this small town, which has a traffic light, one traffic light. Wow. And two blocks away, a flagpole. And whenever you want directions, you either go to the traffic light or you go to the flagpole. <laughs> wow. But they're beautiful little shops. This guy, we're walking down the street, and this guy comes running out of the shop, running behind me. Jerry Springer, Jerry, Jerry Springer. And I turn around, you know, maybe a picture or something like that. And he says, you don't know me, but hold up. So he comes up. It's a, you know, a 50, 60-year-old man. He's the owner of that shop. And he hands me his phone. He says, someone wants to talk to you. And, you know, you know, once in a while you get that. But running down the street to say someone wants to talk to you. So I get the phone and he says, this is the first thing he says. How did you get to the Hall of Fame before I did? Oh, God. It's Pete Rose on the phone. Oh, Shut up. I swear to God. And it, it was like, That's what? Awesome. Well, the guy that gave me <laughs> the phone is a friend of Pete Rose. Pete's living out in Vegas. And he had talked to him yesterday. And the guy had said to Pete Rose, hey, Jerry Springer's in town. You know, it, the town is three blocks. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. anyone who is known at all is there, it's going to be known. So and so Pete had said to him, if you happen to see him, give me a call. Wow. So that's so and here. Cool, and then so we're talking, which is a great line for him to say, because we had just been talking about why he's not in the Hall of Fame. And yeah. he says, how'd you how'd get you there? Get before there? I, did? Oh, that's yeah, I, said, I told him I had a better year. But um, <laughs> so anyway, no, that's that's what Babe Ruth said when reporters said to him when he signed his first hundred thousand dollar contract, they said to Babe Ruth, you make more than the president. And Ruth said, yeah. which was Calvin Coolidge. And he says, I have a better, yeah, I had I had better, a better year. year. Anyway, Richard's there. So I tell him I'm here with my grandson, whatever. He says, put him on. Yeah. So I say to Richard. It's Pete Rose on the phone. That's really His cool. Eyes, and honestly, if I said five minutes, that'd be an exaggeration. But clearly, three or four minutes, 
Pete's talking to him. Yeah. And and, and it was just this wonderful conversation. And then I heard Richard say, yeah, he's really a great guy, but he's not that good looking. (laughs) That's Richard telling Pete Rose about me. That's fine. He's using my material. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that he insulted me. It's that he stole my yeah. material. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but can you imagine for a 13-year-old kid? Yeah. You get to go to the hall. He loves baseball. I mean, he's a fanatical about it. Yeah. And he gets to go to the Hall of Fame, you know, spend a couple of nights there. And then he gets to talk to people. Rose on the phone. I mean, he was just That's like, really in, cool. I mean, it was, it really was a magical moment. It was, it I was, remember being like five, six, seven years old, going to Riverfront Stadium, sitting on my dad's lap, watching Pete play and him saying to me, you better remember this. You're watching Pete Rose play baseball. You'll nice. be able to tell your grandkids about this. Like it yeah. was so oh, cool. Great. Like he's such a part of Cincinnati and baseball history. That's Gosh, that is so cool. I can't yeah. imagine Richard's eyes yeah. had to have been saucers. <laughs> yeah. Any listeners uh, don't know, and you never know, uh, Pete's not in the Hall of Fame because of accusations. Well, he admitted it, that he bet on baseball. And I think ultimately he's even admitted that he bet on games that he was the manager of, though he said he never bet against that. In other words, he didn't rig a game. Do I have that right, Jerry? But, but it's yeah. He said he only, which I believe that he only bet that the Reds would win how as when he was manager. However, in fairness, uh, if he has, he didn't bet on every game. So let's say he bet that tomorrow's game against, uh, you know, the Phillies, uh, the Reds, you know, he's got a lot of money on that game. Then the game that's currently being played, he may decide to hold back his best pitcher because he's going to want him to pitch in the game that he bet money on. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, the idea, and he he's dead wrong on that. The, it is the sacred rule of baseball that you can't bet. And the reason is the second that people wonder whether or not the games are legit or being thrown, whether a batter is purposely striking out, purposely dropping a ball or maybe throwing it a little slower towards first base, the game's over. The game's yeah. over. If you, it, It'll go the way of highlight. If, you, yeah. you know, if, sure. if it's rigged, if you think it's rigged, that's the end of the sport forever. So they can't compromise yeah. on that. Well, I think it's say- legit. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish your point. Legit. I, I think I get why they threw him out of baseball. Uh, because yeah. of that, that's a rule. And everyone knows that rule. They send speakers there at the beginning of spring training where the players have to sit through a one hour bit about how you can't bet, how you can't be around, uh, you know, people who bet, et cetera. Um, so I think it was legit that he was thrown out. But I don't think it's legit that he's not in the Hall of Fame because you don't maybe you don't want him to be a part of the game anymore because of, of what it meant. But by not having him in the Hall of Fame, uh, he achieved everything he achieved on the field. And that's what mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame should uh, represent. So how can yeah. you talk about baseball and not about the greatness of Pete Rose? Well, it's an interesting intellectual battle, which rages in Cincinnati. Fitting. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah. He is, you know, the heart of his involvement in baseball was in Cincinnati. 
it's not the only place, but it was sort of the the heart of yeah. it. But, uh, and I'm, I always do this. It's just the way my brain works. I always test arguments against the most extreme. And of course, and, and, and I mean no joking here, you could yeah. take Hitler, you could take Adolf Hitler as the extreme, or I'll add another one. You can take, because I'm a, came from Catholic background. You can take a Catholic priest who abused a child yep. and, then, and then went to prison and was laicized, as we call it, in Catholic faith, meaning he was kicked out of the damn church, no longer a priest. Yeah. And you could say, or could you say, but what he did, what that priest did, you know, metaphorically between the lines or what Adolf Hitler did between the lines, <laughs> to quote Marge Schott, well, Hitler did a lot of good things other than that one. Yeah. Are there deal breakers and betting on baseball and threatening the integrity of the game that you just laid out? I buy it. Here's yeah. the thing, though. Let's be honest. With him being thrown out of the Hall of Fame, he's gotten much more fame and and press, and people are still talking about him now. And had what? he not been thrown out, we might not be talking about him. We would be recognizing him as 4192 in the Hall of Fame, but that one misstep has yeah. kept him very, very, well, very viable. Yeah, that's yeah. what I did say to him on the phone. I said, you know, Pete, I, I guess you probably know, but I'll just tell you, I would, you know, been there today for several hours. Mm-hmm. And you were the discussion. Nobody is talking about, you know, other than saying oh, Babe Ruth or whatever. It's, of all the plaques that are there, the 230 players or whatever, how many do do, do people talk about? And they were great players. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, Pete, Pete is being recognized uh, for what he did on the field. But there's also what the Hall says, because I talked to them about it. You know, the executive uh, was the guy. <laughs> The CEO, you know, they the came out thing. to talk to me, too, when I was there, Jerry. So I, I got to, you know, give them yeah, my yeah. perspective. As yeah, they, they said you can't park your car here. <laughs> they said you got to <laughs> move Hills, your car. Please lady. move your car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, um, they they said one of the arguments for keeping him even out of the hall is it says to every young player who comes up. If you can take the one of the greatest hitters of all time, the one who got more hits than anyone ever, mm-hmm. and you can ban him mm-hmm. and keep him out of the hall, then how do you think it's going to go for you when we find out you did it? Yep. So understand, if you ever bet on the game, your career is over forever. There's yeah. no, well, I'll come back in two years. Yeah. Over forever. And yeah. you lose all the benefits you had, the, I assume the pensions and all that. In other words, that really, that sets, sets it clear for all these young guys that are coming up. And, you know, they're not, they're not all coming from upright, stand, upstanding situations. Yeah. So they're more tempted, perhaps, ah, what's the big deal? Lay down a couple yeah. of bucks, you know. Now, now they know not to do it. Good point. That sounded like a really uh, special event for actually everybody, for for Richard, for sure, and uh, and also for you. And uh, speaking of special, it's special that we have Casey Campbell and uh, Megan's going to take us into that. 
What's up, Case? How you doing, well. How man? Are you, Megan? Doing well. We haven't seen you here for a while. So um, tell us what's going on with you. What's what's going on in your artistic world? And what do you have for us? Tonight? Oh, he's growing a beard. That, yep. Grow, <laughs> I, I grew it myself, Jerry. That's what I tell Thanks, you. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, have you ever grown a beard? Well, it took me some time. <laughs> uh, yeah, in 19, we had a city manager in Cincinnati, Bill Donaldson. Gene will remember him. And he had a, famously had a beard. And this it was in 1980, and I decided to try to grow one. It was it really was horrible. It's still and, growing today. There were today, pictures I in the see. newspaper of uh, of of, of <laughs> sitting next to each other at city council meeting. You know, and uh, who who who's the real man here? <laughs> I lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Casey won that one. Yeah. Anyway, Case. <laughs> so, yeah, what's been going on in your world? What kind of music have you been creating? Where have you been? Oh, have you we've been, been playing some shows, traveling about a little bit uh, as, uh, you know, things are allowed. And we make good decisions on the road and figure out the shows we want to play and put ourselves in good situations. So it's been good. Um yeah, Good. definitely better than uh, we were sitting a year ago. So I guess, you know, year over year, you can't argue with a gain. And so that's what that's where we are. And uh been uh, re uh, recording some new music and working on some new music, um, both for the Price that's Hill exciting. Hustle and for my myself. And uh, had a few different uh, shows with the Price Hill Hustle and myself kind of getting to showcase, you know, both sides of what I do. So it's been fun. Uh, also still laying down hardwood floors every week and uh you know enjoying the enjoying the ability to work when you know some folks can't so that's good yeah well what do you have for us tonight oh sir? well tonight i thought i'd end on uh this will be one of our last of the year here and um i'm saving something special yeah. for the christmas episode but i thought maybe uh tonight we'd just play back one of the fan favorites from the price hill hustle um that's on our last album a song i wrote called over mona we've had it on a couple times by this point but yeah um we're getting ready to do some new music and uh off of our album this has become one of the the most uh you know requested fan favorites and things like that it shows and it's always fun to to have a song that you wrote you know be recognized and and folks kind of take a liking to it so thought maybe we'd end the oh, end yeah. the year on that all right well this is casey campbell buffalo wobs and the price hill hustle and oh ramona one two ready and go yeah My big energy took all my soul, and she took all my dishes, took all my plans. I gotta get my clothing from another's hands. I said, oh, oh, baby, won't you come back home? I said, I'm busy, old sweet cooking, and I'm tired of eating alone. I said, oh, darling, don't you leave me so soon. I said, I'm busy, old sweet cooking, ain't nobody ever said you lost Thank you. 
Once again, that was Casey Campbell along with Buffalo Wobs and the Price Hill Hustle. And Casey, tell us where we can listen to more of your music, find out about you. And that's your an excellent group. question, uh, uh, Megan. I'm glad you asked. Um, you can find us at PriceHillHustle.com. You can find us on Apple and Spotify and anywhere you get your music. You can also find me at Casey Campbell, Casey-Campbell.com or Casey Campbell through, you know, all of the usual musical outlets. Fantastic. And while you are doing that, please make sure that you go to all of our fantastic social media sites, uh, jerryspringer.com, our Facebook page, uh, Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery. Give us a like on uh, iTunes. Give us a like anywhere you go to find us to let those in power know that we're here. Uh, We're going to take you out this evening with Casey and Jerry singing, and we uh, look forward to having you back next week. Thanks, guys. Well, I'm on late Heavy load down by the riverside, down by the riverside, way down, down by the riverside. I'm gonna lay down my heavy load, y'all. Down by the riverside, sit down by the riverside. I ain't gonna study anymore no more. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery. Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by.